Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The world has changed for sports men and women. Electronic media is now one area that has developed at a hectic pace. This week we look at the social and electronic media and how the sport is dealing with its prevalence. You know, people are filing in cycles of hours now, not days. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Our special on social media in a moment, but firstly, David Reynolds finished second at Bathurst last year. But aside from that, what's his best Bathurst moment? My greatest memory of Bathurst would be... Probably before last year would have been in the in the Stratco Kelly racing car when I we ended up fourth on the grid in qualifying. Um, I put in a massive, massive, massive last lap. Somehow went like six tenths quicker. Just like did the best best lap. I went from twentieth to fourth on the grid, and then I for the shootout I was all revved up, ready to go. I was the last person out before it rained. So technically, I got the best shot of being on pole. Murph was the car before me. He actually ended up on pole because in my um, shootout lap, the uh, diff failed. Going back to Bathurst this year, knowing that you ran second, what does that mean? There's only one place to finish now, or do you have to temper it by the fact that this year's crazy season with 12 different race winners just means everything's up for grabs? Mate, yeah, any, anything's a possibility now. I don't think... I don't think um, if if I didn't walk if I walked away in there in the top three I'd be happy, but if I walked away winning I'd be satisfied. After the break we look at media and V8 supercars for Nobrac carbon fibre products. Check out the entire range today online at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Social media is a buzzword at the moment for companies and sports. 
The V8 Insiders has spoken to various parts of the V8 supercar pit paddock to look at how they're addressing the new media frontier. Cole Hitchcock is the media manager for V8 Supercars and was asked about how his role has changed with the focus on social and digital media. Pure media management needs to cater for everyone. Um, you know, we've obviously, uh, you know, over years had an emphasis on the two area, the two main areas, that being print media and television media. Um, that has obviously expanded. Um, we've got a much larger team now specifically focusing on on digital um so yeah you've got to adapt with the times and um you know and just follow it as it goes chris wilson is the commercial manager for erebus motorsport who have been working out how they can best manage the new landscape oh look obviously it's it's been over the last sort of few years we've seen it evolve there's been a buzz around social media there's a, a mindset out there i guess that you you have to have all these social media channels and outlets uh, for us, it's a step we took uh, in our former days uh, and even today uh, on a little bit more of a conservative approach, I guess. A bit of toe in the water. Uh, try and get a few of the channels right before you spread your wings too thin. So we have a, a Facebook and Twitter site um, that, that uh, our, our media manager uses. So it's uh, the way I sort of see it come together and, and progress is that it's... Uh, it works alongside, so it should really... You still have your main corporate website, your official website information, your social media is your instantaneous and you're up-to-date, up-to-the-minute. And it's a, it's a commercially, it's a, it's a strange one. I mean, obviously, it's another quantifiable. Uh, it's another way we can uh, interact and reach uh, our fan base uh, and our members. Walkinshaw Performance don't manage their social media directly, like V8 Supercars and Erebus Motorsport. Nick Smith is from a company called Hot Glue, who are contracted to the team to produce a range of products. Um, we were engaged by HSV um, about 18 months ago uh, to do their social media, and as part of that, um, it, it also fell under the HRT banner, so it's obviously all run out of the one office um, in Clayton. And so um, when we uh, started working with those guys, we developed a strategy for HSV and then a very different strategy for HRT, being a, a sporting team. And the two are very different beasts, as you can probably imagine. HSV is very much about promoting, uh, promoting a brand um, and a lifestyle associated with that brand, whereas HRT is very much event-based. And so um, in a social media space, the uh, event activity happens on event weekends and in between that there's not a lot of activity going on so the challenge with keeping the team um, relevant I guess in the people's uh, in the front of their minds um, was to try and fill that gap in between when there are events on obviously events there's a lot of a lot of um, a lot of content is produced uh, it's very easy to produce content on event weekend but the two or three weeks in between an event there's sort of a lot of times there's nothing. So what are the risks of this new world order? Wilson again. It's also something that you've got to be careful not to, to over-commercialise. I mean, it's such a such a fickle group as well that uh, your feedback, positive and negative, is very instantaneous as well. So you need to be ready for that. I think you need to be careful in social media in that uh, you'd, you can't overload it, in my view. Um, it can become too much. Uh, so it is a delicate balance. Nick Smith says that managing negative feedback is very different between how the corporate HSV will address a crisis and the sporting HRT has to. It's really about how the guys are performing on the track. So if the guys uh, have a great weekend, we see it all through comments, likes, you know, there's a lot more engagement on our page. If the guys have, have an average or a bad weekend, then, you know, some people would want to get on and, and vent their frustration and that's fair enough. Um, 
and there's not a lot we can we, we don't want to stop them from doing that um, absolutely this, this is a forum for them to vent that that uh, frustration but most of the time the community um, that is built up around these these brands and this team um, are very supportive of what's going on so these guys are you know the 40 odd thousand pretty hardcore fans of, of the race team and if someone has, is being overly negative or unnecessarily negative uh, generally the community will will step in and, and you know call that person out so we generally don't have to do a lot of community management with with the race team so um you know we're in a pretty good position with with that but um there are you know levels of crisis management in place if things do get out of hand mark walker is from media and communication services who manage craig lowndes will davison and james moffat along with a number of corporate clients involved in v8 supercars including jack daniels and ford performance vehicles with drivers having a large number of fans looking at their every post or tweet, how much do the driver managers have to monitor and instruct them on their updates? I mean, from, uh, from that side of things, I suppose there's a couple of ways of doing it. I mean, the guys are pretty sensible as they are, and, and they know what's right and wrong and what's, uh, what's sensitive. So, I mean, they've all sort of played the game, and there hasn't been any issues where we've had to pull them back into line. From the sponsor side of things... You know, we fully encourage sponsors to work with us and provide us with some content and things to use with the social media. Um, you know, one prime example is Suncorp, where they have the Fatality Free Friday campaign. So you'll see from time to time posts about Suncorp's involvement with that program. It's a great program. It engages the community and, you know, it's pushing a very good cause. By the same token, we don't want to sort of see the... the um, social media outlets for the drivers overawed by all these sort of um, sponsorship plugs and things that aren't necessarily relevant to them. So it's sort of a fine line where we encourage the sponsors to be involved, but at the same time we don't want them to overpower it and lose the driver's identity to their individual account. Well, Cole Hitchcock is cautious. He understands that V8 supercars has to be proactive in the social media space. Look, I, I think we're tackling it head on like a number of sports in that we're wrapping up um, social media um, across all channels uh, internally um, and we're, we're packaging those up to suit. I mean, we've seen this year the introduction of Superview, IPTV in other words, um, and that's been hugely successful uh, to start the season. Uh, you know, we have our own digital uh, and website team. Um, we've, we've also um, sort of restructured our website. We're, we're working on that over time. Um, Facebook, we have almost 300,000 fans now, and that's, that's growing probably 30-40% year on year um, as, is, uh, as is our Twitter following and yeah I think um, as a sport, it, all sports, all businesses are embracing um, social media of all kinds and uh, we, um, you know, we're very keen on that side of things, uh, particularly as you say, it just extends your reach so much further. Companies have an image that they spend thousands of dollars to create and protect, so how do third parties make timely announcements while following the protocols? Mark Walker. It depends. Like some companies, like you say, uh, have have that sort of corporate structure where everything has to be approved by the various levels, which does make the social media side of things very difficult. But uh, you know, other sides are a lot more free flowing. With the FPV, we sit down once a week and and figure out a, a bit of a plan of attack. Obviously, it's, it's fairly uh, loose leaf. You know, things come up during the week. If there's interesting things that become available, you post it as soon as it's out there. But uh, you have a bit of a plan for the week, what things you're going to post when, just to make sure that you do have that regular 
output of uh, information to the to the uh, public. But uh, at the same time, you've got to be flexible and, and on your toes for anything that uh, is interesting and would uh, add value to the page. Chris Wilson from Erebus says that as long as the fans know where the message is coming from, there is room for teams, sponsors, owners and drivers to work in the same social space without conflicts. It's legitimacy. I mean, Erwin uh, sort of manage and look after their own. Uh, we, we, have, um, we have a media manager on staff that looks after our, our team one. Uh, in that respect, Betty looks after her own Facebook page. The drivers look after their own Twitter feeds. It is literally Lee and Tim and Maro that you're, you're talking to when, you, when you're through that. I think if you start to turn that to an agency side of things or, or someone from a media management background to look after that, you lose le- legitimacy. And I, I really feel that the, the online society or community actually gets to know that and they turn off it pretty quickly. Walker says that they make it clear who's posting on a driver's page. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we try and use a hashtag PR, which is something that we developed with Marcus Ambrose over in the States because he didn't necessarily use uh, the social media very much at all. He, he put an occasional post or an occasional photo, but for the bulk of things, it would come from the PR sort of thing. So you put a hashtag PR on the end of the, the post, and that sort of allows people to know. It's a bit hard to communicate that. Some people don't understand that. So. We try and limit how many sort of PR posts we put on there, but at the end of the day, if there is something like, so straight after a race you want to post the result, you'll post it up there and say, Craig Lowndes finished first in the race, PR hashtag, and that way people sort of understand that it's not Craig talking in the third person about himself, but it is somebody uh, from his team who's up there posting on his behalf. Team owner Betty Klaminko has become a superstar of the sport in a very short time. Her outgoing personality has endeared her to fans both at the track and on Facebook. But can she affect her own team and sponsors' brands through her online posts? I don't think that my brand would affect the business brand. I want them to be together. I want people to see me as Betty, but also as Betty and Erebus. Um, Betty is Betty is I just tell them everything I do from sticking my fingers together with super glue to my dog eating all the butter it's my way of letting them into a little bit of my life and if they want the stats they can go to to the web page and they can have a look at the, the times the racing everything else that's not what I'm there for I'm there to take the world of motorsport to the fan and that's what I try and do on the weekends is I've got a Betty cam this weekend because I haven't got time to write, so I'm walking around with the Betty cam. I've talked to a couple of owners, and, you know, most fans don't see that side of the owners. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Alex on Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. And I've got them in, you know, doing all silly things. And this is what they need to see. And you need to show them that owners are normal people and that, you know, come and say hi. 
that's that's the whole thing. Nick Smith says that the lines between social and regular media channels will become very blurred in the years ahead as technology continues to become cheaper and faster. Yeah, I think um, we've seen some things happen late last year and early this year where uh, TV networks are actually taking content that we're producing at the track um, and running those on, on, on either pay TV networks or free-to-air uh, networks. And that's, that's, I guess, validation for us that the content we're producing is, is um, worthwhile and of good quality um, and I think what you'll see over the next couple of years is that the quality of content produced on social will just step up and up uh, and it'll get to a point where you won't be able to determine whether it's been produced for social or produced for TV because the two will be you know, fairly close and, and that's helped by a lot of things. One of them is that the cost of technology has come down quite a lot in the last few years so it's really um, easy and, and really portable to produce um, good quality content at an event like this and get it online within a couple of hours of it actually happening. Uh, and that's video content that I'm talking about. Um, but it's also, you know, everyone's more uh, able to watch video content that is online on a lot of devices. So everyone's obviously got iPhones and iPads, but now with digital TVs coming into the fray, um, you can jump on a Vimeo channel or a YouTube channel and watch the stuff that we're producing at the event two hours after it's aired um, on TV, and you'll get the behind-the-scenes um, snapshot from, from the actual drivers themselves. So there's... I think where it'll go is the quality will get better, um, the immediacy will get faster, so there'll be faster video produced um, uh, you know, in, a, in a quicker turnaround time. Uh, and I think what you'll see is a bit of a blurring between what happens on TV and what happens online, and I think that's, that's exciting for everyone. And, and if it pushes um, you know, the sport and it pushes uh, the engagement of the community, then everyone wins. Mark Walker doesn't believe this will affect the traditional media streams. If there's events going on, you can just get on Twitter and you can get reports live from the scene. Like when the Brisbane floods were on, you could go on there, hashtag BNE floods, and you have instant news from the ground from people who are actually experiencing what's going on. So from that standpoint, it's very different to the traditional news outlets. But saying that, you still go and watch the 6 o'clock news to get uh, you know, the professional sort of compilation of what's going on. So it's all sort of, uh, you know, how, how people interact with it. And it, it's grown all the time, too. I mean, you look at uh, the stats for the drivers. In the past couple of weeks, you know, Craig's got a 1,000 more Facebook followers. So even though you think that there's a bit of saturation level there with people on Facebook, it's continually growing and continually expanding. So you've just got to sort of tailor what's happening uh, to the public and make sure you keep on giving them what they want. And there's also things that we're learning all the time too, like what time of day best uh, gets information out there. Do you post something at lunchtime because everyone goes and checks their phone at lunch for um, for updates and interacts then? Do you post it after dinner time, you know, 7 o'clock at night when people are logging onto the computers after dinner? All this sort of thing that we're still trying to figure out what's best for uh, each individual client. So it's you know, something that's going to keep on evolving into the future. Cole Hitchcock says that the changes in media are not just for the series to, to come to terms with, but also for the media itself. I don't think traditional journalism per se has changed um, that much. It, it's just a lot more content. Um, you know, people are filing in cycles of hours now, not days. So live is live. And, you know, 
same for our website, same for a number of other websites, you know, News Limited at Home or Fairfax or AAP or whoever it might be. They're filing in real time. They're filing leads straight after sessions. Um, you know, you can look on Yahoo, 9MSN, whatever, within five minutes of the end of a session and you'll see, you know, a story about Jason Bright finishing fastest in practice or whatever, whatever it may be. And so then the traditional media get to follow that uh, with you know more of their in-depth um, you know angles and, and different different types of stories that might follow. Mark Walker agrees that traditional media outlets are adapting to the social media revolution. You know you look at say Auto Action for instance they've got a very good online presence with their Facebook page and uh, Twitter account. Yeah, for very timely things, they can pop them up if it's something that's after deadline. They can pop a news story on their website and promote it through their social media. So it's sort of good uh, brand recognition there. But by the same token, they'll use their Facebook page to run polls and whatnot. They'll have uh, reader questions and that sort of will wind up published in the magazine. In the same token, a lot of this, um, with the printed magazines, they'll have QR codes or similar on their pages of the magazines where you can scan the code and go be sent directly to a video on the website. So it's that sort of interaction. And, I mean, this sort of area, because it's new, it's going to be constantly evolving and growing. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all sort of unfolds. Hocklew's Nick Smith thinks that the print and TV media are now understanding that it's social and digital that are the leaders in the news breaking frontier. I think we're already seeing it. You know, I think um, if, if you look at what happened sort of you know, even even five or six years ago, um, it was traditional media outlets were the ones telling the story, and they were the ones pushing the story out there. And so you would you would use that as your as your source of information. Now, what's happening is the, the tweet or the Facebook post comes out before the the press release, uh, and the news media are getting their news from these sources as well. So they're actually relaying the news in their own spin and their own words, but taking it from channels like Twitter and Facebook. So I think we're already seeing it. I think um, it, it'll just continue to get more and more down that, that path. Uh, and, you know, that just puts more power into the the owners of the content in the first place. And that is, you know, race teams, it's um, if it's supercars, you know, they're really active in this space as well. So they're jumping on board that um, band as well. And I think, you know, the traditional media outlets will actually leverage more and more off, off the social space than, than they already are. Chris Wilson from Erebus says... But now numbers for their social media following is a question that's being asked when they're talking to sponsors. It's, it's now something where they used to ask you your website visitors and hits, uh, also your TV, uh, TV viewer numbers and all that sort of stuff like that, crowd attendance, it's just another one of those quantifiables, uh, becoming more important. I still think myself personally it's, it's a tough one. There's obviously a lot of engagement and interaction and involvement for the fan. Uh, but as I said, I think the hard sell is a, is a real tough one and actually converting a, a, a real return is, is a tough one there. It's more a message and up-to-date and an involvement as much as a, a not really such a, a strong push. But you also need to keep a social side to it. So it needs to have a certain tone without being over-commercial over or over-formal uh, because you sort of turn the base off. So to grow the numbers, I think uh, probably in supercars, to be honest, the best of the best at it has probably been V8 supercars themselves. Uh, they've been quite successful the last two years to build those numbers up. We're all sort of working away there. I think we've uh, pretty much doubled our numbers uh, to around about 20,000 on Facebook now, uh, and that's doubled in the last sort of six months, I think. Um, and then you've, you've got your different streams. So our sponsors have their own Facebook pages. Our, uh, our drivers have their own tw- Twitter or Facebook pages. Uh, then obviously we have a team one, and uh, we also have uh, Betty 
for Betty Clemenko, our team owner, has uh, has her own personal Facebook page there as well. Quite active as well in that in that space. But it's not just pure numbers that people are looking for. Mark Walker again. Obviously, the more the merrier, and uh, you know we're, we're trying to push as, as much to uh, get all the drivers up there. I mean, obviously, Craig's uh, very popular all around, and uh, you know he's got twenty-eight and a half thousand Facebook followers and you know, over thirty-seven thousand Twitter followers. So he's right up there at the peak of all the V8 drivers. But you know, it's all about providing good content and things that people like and want to share. So. Uh, we keep posting as many photos, as many videos, news clippings, all the different things that uh, keep people interested. The more that we provide of that, the uh, more that the drivers' likes and whatnot will go up. But you look at, um, you know, aside from the V8 guys, obviously Marcus Ambrose is stuff we were involved with over the last few years, and he's got astronomical numbers, you know, it's sort of 65,000 on the Twitter front. And over there for Ambrose, it was using his account was very much different because it was mainly used to inform everyone at home of what exactly was going on because of the time zone differences and whatnot. So we'd use his uh, Facebook and Twitter to keep everyone in, in Australia informed. And subsequent to that, it's sort of been used very differently, but uh, it's gained a lot of popularity. Betty Clemenko believes that this is an opportunity to bring fans to the team more so than just a pure advertising campaign. But not only into the team, but I'm showing them through social media what Anona actually does, and they think it's a glamorous life, but now they realise that, no, we're just normal people, but when we come to the track, we, we're normal people, we do the same as everyone else. It's not a glamorous, sipping champagne life, and that's what a lot of people think. VH Cole Hitchcock believes there's a lot more room for the social stage to expand. Oh, it- I think, as you say, the expansion of, of online uh, media is, is just going to get more and more and more um, in, in all sorts of different forms. If you asked me five years before now what I thought was going to happen, would I have guessed that we would be in the position? Maybe. I mean, we, we've had things like IPTV on our radar for a long time. Um, we haven't had the ability to do it until now um, for, for contractual reasons. Um, so I think it's just being ahead of the game um, I don't think anyone would be able to predict what the what the media landscape will be like in five years. I think my personal view is is that traditional media has still got its its place as the the lead um, in, in all forms of media. Um, they're they're most at most times far better resourced anyway, uh, and their sites link into their their television programs, their news programs, their newspapers, whatever it whatever it might be. Um, so I just think. It'll get more minute by minute. I mean, we used to be day by day, then we were sort of half day by half day. Now we're hour by hour. Um, I think it will become minute by minute, if not second by second. Um, and, and it's it's becoming a real um, fight amongst the media industry to, to get things and get them fast. The only fault that I see with that is it has led to a lot of inaccuracies. Um, we've seen all the misreporting of things like the Boston bombings and things like that. I, I think it's very dangerous territory um, if you're not careful. Walker agrees. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a new and sort of changing area, I suppose, in the whole PR caper because uh, there's new things coming along all the time that uh, sort of add to the mix and you, you've got to stay on top of it and, and figure out what's good and what's bad and what can be helpful to... Uh, sort of aid in the promotion of the drivers or whatever product you're trying to push. Cole Hitchcock believes we haven't scratched the surface of what can be done online and the teams are always looking for ways to engage more actively with their fans, but 
there are still limits to what they can do. We do have guidelines um, surrounding our teams and what they can and can't do because as a sport we've got to be very careful that we don't saturate the brand uh, and first and foremost uh, at the moment um, is our television pictures and not jeopardising um, the, the, the live and very real nature of those. Uh, it is a fine balance, but our teams, they're, they're very clear on what they can and can't do in and around their garages. Uh, we regard their garage space as their garage space, um, but we, we've got a pretty good relationship and we've got a good understanding um, of what they what they can and can't do. So, um, you know, it, it, it is a, it's a moving feast in a way. Things develop all the time. It wasn't that long ago we didn't have a Facebook, we didn't have a Twitter. Uh, you know, IPTV didn't exist, and that, that, you know, that wasn't very, you know, very, uh, very many years ago. So um, it is always a moving feast, and there are always new things to take advantage of. So while you're still working out what to do with your social media, spare a thought for all of the pit paddock because they are just as confused as you are. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.